1: Is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Ah! Who's out? Ah! Who's out? Ah! Who's, ah! Who's, ah! Who's ah! welcome back to the Believe in Syracuse podcast, episode 48, where we will preview Syracuse and Wagner football, Michael Gross, alongside Mike McAllister, and the one and only Memphis 10 Josh Crawford. Guys, we did a recap of Virginia. A few days ago, now we're looking at Wagner, and I, I think it's pretty obvious we're all feeling good about uh, a victory in this game. <laughs> As we, you know, kind of laughed at it before. This is a game that not only Syracuse should win, but they should dominate in in just about every single aspect. Um, let's dive into this game a little bit, just because you know there are things that Syracuse has done well against really good teams and then there are a couple of things that they <laughs> didn't do well maybe against a team like UConn where you could really have take this week to improve on a couple of things so that you know they could I guess iron some things out before the the big dogs uh come into the schedule come into play Mike
2: yeah and I I think the biggest thing is establishing Sean Tucker giving him to kind of have a a breakout type of game is we haven't seen that really from him this year he had the explosive play in the opener against louisville the 55 yard uh, screen pass that he took for a touchdown and that that was basically the only time all season he's looked like sean tucker and he still hasn't had that monster rushing game and i think this is a prime opportunity for it this is a game where he could get 150 yards and two or three touchdowns something like that and sort of get back to feeling like himself then take a week off, rest up, and get prepared for some of the better defenses in the conference. So if I'm Syracuse, that's the number one thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get Sean Tucker back into the rhythm of being Sean Tucker because that makes your offense so much more dynamic and explosive given the way that we've seen Garrett Short take some uh, positive steps forward so far this season.
1: Josh, Wagner has not won a game. Uh, in their last 25 tries. That's September 28th, 2019. Uh, Today would be September, the day we're recording, today would be September 29th, 2019, and we're playing Wagner, two pieces playing Wagner on October the 1st. That's 300, if I do the math, a lot of games, a lot of days, uh, or or not not games, a lot of days since their last win.
0: 2019, I was a sophomore uh, starting at PV, and it's, cra- it's so crazy that you're saying this and one of the Instagram filters that, that's, you know, you know, little my you know, big gross. You'll know, you'll know, yeah. you'll like might. the three, know. uh, the, 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 the filter was post where you were three years ago. I didn't even think about it in terms of this uh, game.
1: It's Snapchat memories, right? Flashbacks, right?
0: You know. I, I Well, yeah, Snapchat and Instagram, but yeah, 2019. Yeah. I was, I literally just had that picture. I posted it on my Instagram. Follow your boy, in Memphis, and hefe. But no, yeah, this that's that's a, that's a long time ago, like you said. So, you no, know, that's just that's just tough on the program overall. Like that's that's the type of stuff that you know moves your program down a division or just like you're, you know, erases your program in general. So, like, you know, we're joking about it, but like, you know, I hope they get it together at some point. Like, it's a, a division a division one school in New York City. Like, but like, there's they should be better than that <laughs> at some point. But hey, I don't know. Again. Baseball football is played in the South. So I guess it's is another
1: testament to that. But yeah, um, you, you do hope they get it together at some point, just not this week. <laughs> I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're going to get much together so, this week. Well, I, I, know, I, I, don't, I, I don't think so. I've talked to a lot of people and we were collectively saying Virginia was the trap game, but some people seem to think that this game is the trap game, which I think is just blasphemy to take a book out of, take a page out of Stephen A's book. Um I, I I don't see it that way. Um, they're going to be five and zero oh after this week. I think it's. I think that's I mean, out. most well, Central New York season. Josh.
2: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts.
0: I mean, this is the thing that you do want to discuss is that in terms of, you know, again, I've talked about, I've, it's been a, a ringing testament of mine throughout the, the recording of this podcast that this team has veteran leadership, guys that have been through the fire, guys that have been, that have played big moments in college football. They know what to do. And we've seen this season on multiple occasions when their back is against the wall. So they know what it takes to go out and execute against a UConn team that's starting to freshman quarterback that hasn't you know probably will not be playing college football will not be playing uh a- after this level of football you know, then they know how to go out and handle a team like louisville that you know a lot of people thought they were favored but you look at louisville five weeks ago, five weeks from that game you look at circuits five weeks from that game and you, you it's just a different story so this team seems to have mastered the ability to execute their game plan and do what they're supposed to do regardless of the opponent so this is just another building block in that. So you do just want to make sure that, again, guys like a lot of Fuentes is, is, is able to get in and get significant reps. A guy like Leon Lowry, somebody like uh, Derek McDonald, uh, a lot of guys that two twos or threes that, are, you know, have been in the mix, but, you know, again, have been in the mix more than main fixtures. This is the game, you know, for them to get right. And then this is the game, another just a testament, a bigger testament than other big games because it's not hard to get up for big games. Can you get up for Wagner? Can you execute your game plan? Can you have that big blowout lead in the second half? So this is just another step, uh, uh, you know, overlooked step oftentimes in the development of a, uh, a top 25 team, which this program wants to be at.
2: And they've got motivation to stomp on them early because the veterans, the guys like Mikael Jones and Marlo Wax and the, the Garrett Williams and all of those, they know that, if they put their foot on Wagner early, they're not going to have to play a second half. Their vacation with the bye week, so to speak, their rest starts early. So there's extra motivation there. But usually when you're looking at a trap game in the definition, yes, it's a team that you're better than, and so you you might not play up to your level, and that would lead to them beating you. But this is a game where Syracuse could almost play its D game and still dominate. Because you start looking at what Ruckers has done or Ruckers, what Wagner has done so far this season. Um, Ruckers, who I was going to mention, um, scored 66 points on Wagner. Ruckers can't score on anybody else. They're, they're a bad offensive football team. They scored 66 points on, on Wagner. Wagner has also played two other FCS level teams and, has given up at least 370 yards of offense in all three games and at least 27 points in all three games. They've they've allowed at least 540 yards and 48 points in two of its three games. Um, They have none of the players on their offense that have at least five carries on the season are averaging over four yards of carry. None of them. Um, They, turn the ball over more than they than, than they cause turnovers. They get sacked a lot, but don't they've only got two sacks themselves on the season. Um, their starting quarterback, Nick Cargman is completing just 45% of his passes. Uh, their special teams, their punting average as a team is 32.9 yards per, per punt. That is atrocious. Um, their their kicker only has one field goal attempt on the season, and it was a very short one, and he made it, but we haven't seen much from them. Um, they've got one long kick return to 63 yards so far this season. The rest have been basically right around 20 yards, and they're not very good at covering other teams. Um, now, they are coming off a bye, so they're going to throw in some weird wrinkles and try something like a you know triple reverse pass pass throw back to the left tackle type of a weird thing that they're going to try to do to catch Syracuse off guard. But this is a game that Syracuse should be able to almost sleepwalk through and still win convincingly. So do I think it's a trap game? I don't because I think Syracuse, this is not an FCS team that can sneak up on you and beat you unless you do something so ridiculously poor, like, Three starters get hurt, you're shell-shocked, you turn the ball over seven times. And even in that scenario, I still think Syracuse might win. I mean, power I mean it's
0: the tongue, big Mike. power in the so tongue.
2: It's Ooh. this this is a situation where Syracuse has completely overmatched Wagner in just about every position. They should be able to win this game handily and establish some things, get some guys some rest, and then get some of their young guys uh, some experience, as, as you mentioned with Elijah Fuentes and Anwar Sparrow and Derek McDonald and some of those other guys.
1: Yeah, I, I'm actually interested to see uh, Garrett Williams in this one. He's going to match up against uh, Naeem Simmons, who is their best receiver, 235 yards on 13 catches this season, two touchdowns. He's averaging, what, 18 yards? 18. 18 yards uh, per catch. Yeah, that's pretty solid. 80 yards a game for a team like Wagner, who has not won a game this season or in the last three calendar years. Yeah. I I'd say that's, that is pretty solid for a receiver. So I'm actually interested to see Garrett Williams to see how locked down he can really be Uh, because we've seen fantastic moments from him, but there, I feel like there has been lulls in his game in some games where you kind of just, okay, this guy just, caught two passes in a row, three passes in a row for 40 yards uh, on that drive or on the, on the last two drives combined where Garrett Williams, maybe it looks like he's taking plays off, not necessarily actually, but, but I, I kind of feel like he isn't as locked down as he could be throughout the season. So this is a good game for him to, I know Josh, I, I can, I can see you're, you're making faces over there. I'm not sure whether those are, those are good faces or bad faces, I mean, like, but I, but I mean, th- I, those, are, those are
0: heavy terms to throw around, Mike. Oh, yeah. I'll just say it like that. Those are well,
1: heavy terms to throw around. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying that he's he's playing bad. That he's matching up against bad receivers. He's matching up against fantastic receivers, especially Charlie Jones um, a couple weeks ago too. So and so, he's not matching up against bad receivers. But I will say that it kind of doesn't look like he's consistently the guy we all talked about for every single play. Uh, of the game. Like he, he doesn't look locked down or as locked down as we thought he was going to be.
2: It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman sausage company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar, sausage, kibasi, and bun length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879. When you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics.
0: I mean, I'll say this as a guy that played D line college D one, uh, defense back is the harder position to play in, in football. You're guarding guys going full speed forward at you while you're, you know, primarily going backwards. You know, my brother played DB at Navy like, you know, i Thankfully, I was at a point. At, at, at one point, athletic enough where I looked, I worked out with skilled players, and then it looked completely ridiculous. So I know, you know, the type of work and the the the, the amount of footwork and the amount of like flexibility that a lot of things that you have to have to be a skinny, fast guy at a high level that people don't think about. So, uh, you know, G Dub is a guy that is specialized in you know being a cornerback. He's not the big the, like you said. He's well, He's not the fastest guy. He's not the highest jumper. He's not the guy that's you know going to wow you at the opening or with athletic testing. But he's a true lockdown corner. So you know, like I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm close with G Dub for sure. Um, <laughs> he he may not like to hear that, but I know I know his mentality. And I know that if this guy catches the ball, any wide receiver catches the ball on him in man coverage, he, he'll have a problem with
2: it. So. But here's here's what um, he has done so far this season. He's got in four games, he's got two picks and a fumble recovery. So he has been a better playmaker so far this season in terms of turnovers um, than what he was the last couple of seasons. And, you know, he had, as you mentioned, going up against Purdue – um, and Charlie Jones, who is going to be in the discussion of being the best receiver in the country, I think, almost all season, at least in terms of his statistics, he's going to be right there. And yeah, he gave up 11 catches, 188 yards, and a touchdown. And, and those two were primarily locked on each other all game. But he also had a bunch of other targets where, where Garrett Williams won those individual battles. And then, you know, against Louisville in week one um, to Tyler Hudson, he did give up, uh, you know, 100 receiving yards. But um, you know, if, if you look at Virginia last week, nobody on Virginia had over, um, 50, 55 receiving yards. And, and, you know, he was matched up a little bit on Wicks and, and, um, you know, a couple other guys, but, uh, they primarily shut down Virginia's passing attack and, you know, he's, he's part of that. So I, I think, uh, I think saying that, you know, the, the games against Louisville and Purdue that. You know, perhaps you'd be a little bit disappointed that he gave up as much as he did. But, um, you know, I I think he'd probably say that that he expects to be a little bit more locked down in those situations. So, yeah, I I think, uh, you know, if if you go into this game saying I want Garrett Williams to just completely shut down a Wagner offense, that's terrible. uh, That's that's something that you could be going into it looking for. If you're looking for kind of little things here and there with a game like this, you're expecting to be a blowout then, yeah, that's something I think you could look at is say, hey, let's see Garrett Williams just completely shut him down, get into a little bit of a rhythm going into the bye, and then when he starts going up against NC State and Clemson and Florida State, Notre Dame's wide receiving groups that all have guys that think they're going to play at the next level, then you know he can start gaining some momentum and start having better performances against those guys.
1: Yeah, because if you look forward, NC State's got, I mean, a ridiculous amount of guys that have over 10, over 15 yards per catch and at least 30 yards a game. Um, so they have a lot of options there. So Garrett Williams will not be alone in, in having to do that. So I I, I will want to Chestnut to have a really good game too, because it's good for the confidence of the secondary. Um, I think one thing that Josh, I think we should look for in this, in this team, obviously the offensive line matches up way better against the defensive line, but I'd like to see less, if not, any, I don't want to see any penalties uh, from the offensive line because that's been an issue for them uh, in the in the in the recent past.
0: Yeah, you want like all, all star penalties, all side. You want to wipe out all procedural penalties. <laughs> I mean, all coaches, you know, want no procedural penalties in any game, but especially in a game like like you said, Gross, where you're definitely more talented, and you know, a win should be you know easily obtainable. You definitely want to knock out. Um, like all procedural penalties, pre- preventable penalties, like I said, false starts, being offsides, um, you know, defense, interference in certain situations like that, because this is that's a, like a mental thing, and especially uh, a game a game against AFC as a FCS opponent, a lower division opponent. If you can't focus at a uh, at a team like against a team like this, how can you expect to focus against a team like Clemson? I can just hear Coach Baker standing now. So um, yeah, if, if I know anything about you know this program. Um, these guys and uh, this coaching staff, uh, especially uh, Tony White. I know he hasn't, you know, you talked about the offensive line, but I know he hasn't been happy with some of, just some of the undisciplined way that they've been playing recently. So there will be, you know, a lot of things that you want to clear. Like, you don't have to be perfect. Nobody's very expecting Gary to go 20 for 20. But, you know, I, I think that's actually a, a really good gauge. You would want no false starts. You would want no offsides size penalties. Um, anything that is, you know, getting in your own way, so you wouldn't want none of that because, this is an opponent that honestly, you know, a coach like mine, you know, would have made you run, you know, double, um, you know, the double suicides, the double punishment runs because it is such a lower level opponent. You know
2: what I'm saying? We talked after week one when Syracuse beat Louisville despite having 18 penalties in that game. We said, we want to see how they fix that problem moving forward before we say, oh, this is a major issue, right? So, week two against UConn, they only have three penalties. And he said, okay, well, maybe week one was kind of week one jitters and the crowd and the excitement and you know, maybe trying a little too hard so you make some mistakes and et cetera. Uh, then against Purdue, they had nine penalties, but didn't feel like that was a game where they were really undisciplined and, and having a lot of procedural issues that were causing them problems. Didn't feel that way. But last week they had 12. So now in three of your four games, you've had at least nine penalties. And in two of them, you've had 12. You've had one game that was the three-penalty game that was very clean against UConn. But right now, that looks like the outlier. So, yes, I think penalties in this game especially, given everything Josh just said, you're better. You should dominate this game. There's no reason to have to try to get a quick extra jump because you got to make sure you beat your guy. You know, you should be able to kind of half-jog and beat your guy in this game. Um, So, yeah, I I think – I think in this situation, going into it, that's one of the main things you want to take away is Syracuse showing some strides in terms of its discipline, unforced errors, and not committing some of those pre-snap penalties.
0: I mean, one thing I'll say in terms of devil's advocate and just, again, providing a player's perspective to that, you know, we can, we've, you know, I feel like so much of the season has, you know, Exhausted our energy. It's, we've seen so much football and we've experienced so much of this season because, you know, obviously they've gotten off to a better start than we thought. But anybody that plays football, you know, even most analysts know that the real meat of the football season starts in conference play. It's different because this team had already played two conference games, you know, but conference play for a lot of teams hasn't even started yet. So, you know, we and everybody, everybody in their mama has talked about how. Hard this stretch is, you know, that's coming up going to be, and that hasn't even started yet. We still have, we have, we, have, we haven't even gotten to the quote unquote, you know, gimme game against Wagner, and we have a whole nother week um, before the NC State game and the real meet of the real of the season starts. So, you know, it, it is still a small symbol size that this team has, has been committing a lot of penalties in this NC this Wagner game, and you know, the NC State game after a bye will go a long way to determining how penalty pr- how penalty prone we truly are.
1: Yeah, I was. So I, I've been looking through a lot of articles regarding. I mean, there there aren't much that are super in depth against this. Just some with with some fun stats about um, the last time they played these two teams. It was twenty eighteen. The Orange. It was it was the opener, I believe, in twenty eighteen. Uh, it was a sixty two to ten victory over Wagner. Eric Dungy threw for two hundred eighteen yards and five touchdowns. Um, Andre Cisco had two interceptions on that day as well so I, I mean that's a, and then I, I would say I think their first meeting was in 2013 and Terrell Hunt had over 260 yards and and, and three touchdowns so they've only played him twice not that that really matters but um it's not like here's be-
2: what's interesting about that though the two times that they have played Wagner they ended up in bowl games both of those years oh it was the last two times that Syracuse has been in bowl games they played Wagner. If they make a bowl game again this year, the third, the last three times in the last eight, nine years, whatever it is that you played Wagner, you schedule them every single season. That is your good luck charm. Um, I know a lot of people have have looked at this 4 0 start, and there's obviously comparisons and try to make parallels to 2018, right? It's the last time you started 4 um, 0. Now, playing Wagner in both years as your FCS team is another one of those parallels. So, you know, it's, it's, it really isn't going to have an impact on the rest of the year. Like Xerxes isn't going to win three more games the rest of the year because they played Wagner in 2018. Uh, Like obviously, but it's just, it's interesting seeing some of these, uh, parallels and history repeating itself and some of those things. But yes, absolutely. If I have to play an FCS team every year and every year that I play Wagner, I'm making a bowl game. They're on the schedule every year until I don't make a bowl game playing them. That's what I'll say. Superstitious. Call me, call me crazy. That's fine. Josh, bring on Bama talk. Isn't going away
1: yet. There it is. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Um Bring on Bama. Josh, before the season started, we all made our predictions. Um, I think I had the worst prediction for this team out of, all of us, uh, all of us interns here. Um, I said six and six. And I think that was the worst prediction out of everybody. Um, I was trying to be as realistic as I could be because I, from what I saw last year, uh, and then just the recent past, it just, it didn't exactly excite me, but they're looking at, I would say a potential seven. And if they do some things right, even a potential eight wins, On the year, I I don't know how many more wins I can give to them, other than um, so we can give them the Wagner win. That's five and zero. I would say we can give them Boston College. That's six wins on the year, which is their last game of the year. And I think that they can they can go out there and they can beat a Pitt. They can beat a, a Florida State. One of those two teams. Other, no, those
0: are two ranked teams right now. Can't, no, be, I, can't so is
1: Syracuse. It. I know. Well, well,
0: <laughs> by the coaches only, <laughs> yeah. But,
2: but think about this right? coaches know more than the beat writers.
1: Uh, they want to, uh, never mind. Could you <laughs> even, could you even throw Notre Dame on that list of potential? No,
0: teams? I said, I, 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 Notre Dame is a team, is a program, big difference between team and program. We heard yeah. That is the, Notre Dame is a program that perpetually underachieves, not even just in football. It's the crazy part. It's just, you know, I have a lot of things I can say about the Notre Dame program. Again, being a D1 athlete, has have certain connections with certain guys, and I know, you know, uh, Dante Vaughn, a guy that uh, plays safety at Notre Dame, I'm, you know, really tight with him. He's from Memphis. Um, he just, you know, you hear certain things about certain programs, and the reasons that things happen make more and more sense. So, um, but, you know, just keep it this tree. Notre Dame is a team that perpetually underachieves. They got a really good pass rusher, uh, Isaiah uh, Falafki. I don't know how to say his last name. See him on the draft board, though. Um, but we already seen uh, they lost to a team in Marshall. I had an offer from them. That's never good that a top-10 team was losing, losing to a team that I had offer from. And I think they're on with their third quarterback at this point. So, like, this is <laughs> – Notre Dame is Notre dame And I can just foresee it. You know, even in the preseason, I didn't know who the starting quarterback was. You hardly ever know what in Notre Dame, if he's he's going to be decent. And, uh, you know, Michael Mayer, really good guy, but we've seen it in college football. Kyle Pitts got drafted top five, and do anybody remember what Florida did the season he was there? Tight ends are just not super impactful in the collegiate game. So I just just kind of foresaw that. And, I mean, at this point, Notre Dame would be lucky to be favored in that game at this point. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no doubt. And listen, uh, <coughs> as far as how many games can they win the rest of the season, uh, you win this week, you got seven more in the regular season, um, then the ACC championship game, then the college football playoff, which uh, yeah. would have two games. So that's ten more games Syracuse could win
1: the season. How about that? How about ten more games? Than ten two more. Will win. Will. Excuse
0: me. I mean, I'm just like like, the, the – the, the, the... <laughs> I am mean, coming from down south. Like, I just had no – I had no previous history and acumen coming into the, with the SU program. But, like, you know, being around the program and, you know, the start obviously and just, like I said, being tattooed with a lot of the guys, like, it has moved from bowl game. It's the, like – it's a thing in the locker room. Charlotte. Like, we're going to Charlotte. And I think everybody on here knows where, what Charlotte, you know, signifies. So, I don't think you're getting to Charlotte without eight or nine wins. So, I think that pretty much yes. kind of attests to where they think they need to be at.
2: Well, and, and if you if you look at the rest of the schedule realistically, and you're not just me with the bring on Bama nonsense, right? But if you're looking at the rest of the schedule, that the stretch where they have to play NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, and Pitt, all kind of in that group, like back to back to back to back to back or whatever it is, that's a really tough stretch. There's no question about that. But here's the thing. There's not a single team in that stretch that – it would be a complete shock miracle if Syracuse won the game. Okay, Syracuse is good enough to beat any of those teams.
0: You, you said that the Clemson game too? I,
2: I didn't say that I would expect them to win. Okay. I don't. So, but I'm saying it, to me, Syracuse has proven that they they can play Clemson tough. They play Clemson tough when they're not
0: good. Okay.
2: And th- this year, Syracuse team, from what we've seen so far, they're a good football team. I don't know how good they are yet, but they're, they're a good football team. Um, If they went down to one at Clemson, would it be an upset? Absolutely. Would it get a lot of headlines that look Clemson's 36, seven game home winning streak is over Syracuse won. Now they're the favorites to represent the Atlantic in the ACC championship game. That would be a headline. It wouldn't be a, a, an Appalachian state over Michigan type of a miracle thing. It wouldn't be 2017 when Syracuse beat defending national champion Clemson when, Syracuse was three touchdown underdogs in that game. It wouldn't be to that level of an upset. so I'm saying it would be a surprise to some people. It would be an upset. It wouldn't be a drop your jaw shock. What in the world just happened? Um, The Citadel just won at Alabama type of a thing, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't be to that
1: in my opinion. Let's uh, let's bring it back down to earth uh, for just a second. I think that we're all, What's the fun guy? in that. I I think that we're. we're I mean, I'll give you. I'm go. No, no, Josh, go.
0: No, I just wanted to give you your your props, prop gross. Like, again, yeah, just I guess being there was advocate. You know, me and Big Mike, we talked about. You know, uh, Aiden O'Connell looking like the best quarterback that uh that she was gonna face this season. You know, if we get the DJ uh Uga, uh, ugh, I'm not gonna cuss on. TV. It's called DJ Uwe. Call yeah, Big DJ If he plays like, you know, he's a guy that was a five-star quarterback for a reason. I'm a firm believer in talent never goes anywhere. It's just in- you know, discouraging the highest talent, and if he looks like the quarterback that beat Wake Forest, that's gonna be the best guy that uh SU faces. A guy that big, that mobile, as Big Mike attended to you know previously, and he's putting the ball in you know the the, the windows with the, the touch that he was putting against in that uh in that Wake Forest game. He he won them the game, you know. Will Shipley, you know they don't he's whatever, you know they got some okay receivers, you know. But Wake Forest is a legitimate top twenty five team that he went and beat out at home, essentially by himself. Shout out to uh, my guy Bloomsdale. Uh, you know, they're tied in from Nashville. Shout out, to big homie. But um, no, like, there's not a lot there for uh, the Clemson receiving, corps. course. So, DJU plays, like, that Wake Forest, DJU. It just makes it that much more tougher, and, you know, at least in my mind, that much more shocking, you know, if, uh, killing the gang and pull off the upset. Um,
1: A couple of questions regarding this game. Uh, will Sean Tucker have over or under two and a half total touchdowns? Over, over. Mike, over, Josh, over. you have over as well. Over. Okay. Sure. Easy. Um, Garrett Schrader, over or under? And remember, we're we're thinking about halftime potentially being pulled at halftime. Over or under two hundred and ten passing yards? Under. under.
0: Man, who can't we ran, man, who can be good? Get... man, who can be good?
1: See, I, I, have, I, I
2: have because goal. I I think they're going to run the ball a lot, and the, it, he's his best chance to get over two hundred yards is if. Like early, if Syracuse wins the kickoff or the coin toss and takes the ball first, for example, and on the first play, they throw a screen pass to Sean Tucker and he goes 75 yards, something like that. Like I think you do that a couple of times where you have a 50, 60 yard touchdown pass. That's where his best options are to hit 200 yards. But in a, we've seen him do that in a half before, but in this game, I, I think it's, I think they're going to put an emphasis on trying to establish Sean Tucker as a runner. And so I don't think that they're going to go to the air enough to get him that kind of yardage.
0: Mm, that was advocate yet again. I would just say that, you know, again, you know, narrative and perspective and award that plays a part in coaches and teams minds. However many times coach Baber gets up in a Hawaiian shirt and says he only thinks about whatever, he needs. you know, and, you know, OG around the Gasson, you know, is somebody that has, you know, two 100-yard receiving games, you know, pre- consecutively. You know, we all seen the, the nice issue video where, uh, you know, Terry Cruz popping his picks, talking about OG, triple OG, whatever. But um, it is a thing to where if you go, if you, he has a 100-yard game this game, you know, you have a bye week next week. You can go into uh, a potential uh, game day matchup. I know mean, you tried to kill the idea, Mike, but we're still going to keep it thugging. A potential game day matchup, at least a potential top twenty-five matchup with the guy on your roster that has had three consecutive hundred-yard games. That's a thing. People that will never have heard of Horande Gasson will turn on the channel and be like, "OMG, who is this guy?" And he has, you know, good pedigree. He's, a, he's from a talented program. You know, his high school coach was Patrick Sertan. Yes, dad, the Patrick Sertan, that dude. So, like. Again, that is another thing that could bring a lot of recognition to a, a quote-unquote basketball school. So I just think that, you know, narratives and, you know, uh, the scope of media and stuff like that matter. So, again, we could see more of the padding than we would expect to try to get somebody's numbers.
1: A couple more. Over or under three-and-a-half team interceptions for the defense? Under. That's
0: hard. Three-and-a-half?
1: Right, yeah, I just – right, right, I, I think they might get it. I'll give you two and a half over or under two and a half. Do they get two or do they get more? two three? No, so over uh, or under two and a, I'll go two and a half.
0: I'll take under. Still, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll take under. I mean, three picks to to account for is a lot.
2: See, and and I think if if you look at Wagner, they um, they run the ball a lot more than they throw it even though they're down by like 50 points a lot. Um, so they still run the ball a lot. Th- that's, that's really, I think lack of interceptions would not be because all of a sudden Wagner is throwing pinpoint accurate passes or something like or the receivers are getting, you know, three steps on Syracuse's DBs or anything. I think it would be more so because they run the ball a lot more than, than they're going to throw it. But uh, just for the sake of being different, I'll go over and we'll see what happens.
1: I also was going to go over there. Um, this is, this is the big one here over or under let's go three and a half offensive line penalties, procedural penalties.
0: for the sake of conditioning for those guys afterwards. (laughs) I've seen those guys, not in the, (laughs) I'll go under and hope the homies can pull it out.
2: I'll go over, but here's why.
1: Okay. I think it's going to be the backups in the second. Mm, oh, all right. All right. Sense. All right. That's smart. That's smart. Um, that smart. My last question to you guys before we wrap up here. Uh, if you had to pick one person to act as you in your movie made about you, because all of our lives are Hollywood style. They're, they're, they're made for the screen. Cause that's just how we live, right? If you had to pick one actor to play you in the movie about yourself, who would it be?
0: Uh, an actor. I don't know. I, I, I was going to cheat and I had a little soapbox to hop on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question with a soapbox to follow after everybody answers. I'm a, and he's not an actor, but he's pretty famous. I right, right. gonna like Penny Hardaway. So that would be the guy that
2: Penny he,
0: would, he would play my life story. So I can, I, I got a good little story. I got a little soapbox. Little Memphis action after you know we wrap up.
2: Um, I would go with Kevin James. (laughs)
0: Okay. That
2: Okay, Dad. So this is why he's he's a stockier dude like I am, and he's got this like sarcastic, goofy dad joke type of sense of humor, which is exactly what I have. So I I think it would fit. That's that's what I would go with.
1: That is that is. I've scarily good. Yeah, it's a good one. I've got, ai I think I've got Adam Sandler. Um, okay. he's, he's, he's got a big nose like I do. Um, and I'm proud of it. And, and we're both wonderfully funny. Um, and, and just really good looking people. So yeah, I think Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, uh, would be the way to go. All
2: right. Okay. All right. Well, I could see that. Okay. Um, my yeah. second, my second choice would be, um, Samuel Jackson, obviously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do not gonna laugh that
2: hard. Dad jokes. That's dad, that's dad. what Kevin James and I do. That's okay.
0: what we do. Okay. So you, you 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 see, I really I'm getting more of Samuel than, than Kevin James for me. So I I like the mixture of two. You know what I'm saying? I love it.
2: I mean, but, listen. Everyone's got I got to be versatile, right? So,
0: no, nah, I understand. <laughs> I definitely understand. But no, I think I'm allowed to go on the tangent because it is sports related. You feel what I'm saying? Collegiate sports. Um, if you if you haven't if you've been under a rock, uh, I am from Memphis, Tennessee. Penny Hardaway's from Memphis, Tennessee. Hopefully, we could. The first time hearing of this. Jeez, I'm glad i I'm glad I could I'm glad I could give you some context. But um, <laughs> recently you know, Memphis got, unquote, got off quote unquote, scot-free voting in any postseason uh, postseason ban, any taking of scholarships away for the quote unquote, James Wiseman ideal, which included um, Penny helping James Wiseman's family relocate from Nashville to Memphis, just because his sister was going, his sister was going to the University of Memphis. And, you know, it did help that he ended up going to the University of Memphis as well. My thing is, you know, you know, Memphis, we have a very proud basketball tradition. Derrick Rose, Calipari, Dewan Wagner, DJ Wagner, <laughs> shout out to your boy for cues, but, you know, hopefully it goes to Memphis. But no, you know, Memphis is a proud basketball town, but yet it is not a, a traditional blue bud like a Kansas, like a Duke, like a North Carolina. So why did the NCAA feel to need to really press and ring the issue and really make an example out of a program? That had 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 has had more hope around it right now than it had it since Le- Calipari left in the middle of the night in two thousand eight. You have all these different programs doing God knows what. I know why. Tell tell me a UNC football player right now that can say three sentences they can put three sentences together. Do you think Zion or RJ Barrett went to Duke for free? Like it's just crazy that the things that the NCAA selectively comes down on. You know, I'm gonna be upset because it's about my hometown, but even as just a non-blue blood program, which in the terms of football, Syracuse would fall up under. So it just, you know, it just hurts my heart. And it's just crazy to see that, you know, again, it was a relief for me that, you know, we don't have to, I don't got to worry about, you know, because I'm always from my home city. I don't got to worry about, again, postseason ban, lack of scholarships, you know, and Penny's brand is going to shine through whether people like it or not. But it's just crazy how selective the NCAA can be on their punishment and how judicial they can be about it when they got other programs running around doing way worse.
2: I go back to the punishment that Syracuse and Jim Beheim took um, when the NCAA investigated Syracuse for eight years. Eight years. And what they found was they had two, three players, whatever it was, that refereed a summer YMCA game and got paid for it uh, by the by – the organizers of that league that they refed for. And one player had a reference on a paper that was changed by um, an academic advisor. Over eight years then that's all you found. I think if NCAA spent eight years on any high major program's campus investigating any athletic program, if that's all you found, I think that's a pretty clean program. And yet Jim Baham lost a hundred wins. Syracuse lost a bunch of scholarships. Um, They had a postseason ban um, restricted on how much they could go out and recruiting. They lost one coach on the road for recruiting and it hurt the program for a good six, seven, eight years, which was the intention of the punishment. But my point in saying all of that is consistent with your point to what they did to Memphis, the same exact situation, but it's Duke. The punishment's not the same. Because the NCAA punishes based on blue blood status, based on who makes them the most money. And that's the reality of the situation. They will argue. Otherwise, they'll say, no, that's not the case. That's what they do. That's why you can have someone like John Calipari that goes, (laughs) has recruiting, he's got recruiting violations that the NCAA has found at UMass. And when he was at Memphis, and then he goes to Kentucky, immediately starts getting five star players. And the NCAA doesn't go, let me just check and make sure that's all on the up and up.
0: Not only five star players, the five star players that were supposed to go to Memphis. You right. can't even get other five stars.
2: Right. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, but that, that's the type of stuff where you have a guy like, um, calvin sampson right who goes to who has issues it at, at indiana with the ncaa goes to houston turns that program around everyone's like we're not going to look into it or how about a guy like bruce pearl who gets kicked out of tennessee because there's a lot of issues with the way he's running that program he shows up to auburn that had zero basketball tradition before he gets there all of a sudden starts landing elite recruits How are there not red flags that go off? I'm not saying anything happened. It might not have been. But my point is, the NCAA, they're supposed to be the oversight of all of this. And they're a joke. Because they're not consistent with the way that they apply rules. They're not consistent with the punishment for the same offenses. And they're not consistent with how they determine who they're going to investigate. You know why they're even investigating stuff like like the the Wiseman situation at Memphis or this stuff with all the shoe stuff that went on with the, the Kansases and the LSUs and that uh, whole Adidas scandal. You know why they're investigating all of that? Because journalists did investigations and found all this stuff out. They didn't. They didn't find any of it out. They're reacting to other people finding out the stuff that they're supposed to be finding out. They're, they're a terrible organization, and uh, it's never going to change as long as they're in charge.
0: Tua is getting put on a stretcher right now.
2: Yeah, just
1: just saw that.
0: Thought that would be important to know. But, yeah, you know, again, there, the Memphis, again, I, as a guy that was a D1 athlete in Memphis and knew a lot of Memphis guys, I was around the campus, knew a lot of the guys, knew Big James. Do you know how many games James Wiseman played at Memphis for the NCAA to be around campus for two years, two calendar years? Just guess. He didn't play
2: very many. He didn't play very many. Three.
0: Three. He played three, one national game um, in the field night tournament in Oregon. And he played two other games. And the NCAA investigated U of M for two years behind one ineligible guy playing three games. And they were going to potentially take away, you know, again, that's a very special thing, a tournament, you know, trip for U of M. The first time since you know the golden days, quote unquote, past there, and you know when we were still a legitimate program, but don't say that. Don't say that too loud. Edit it out, whoever edit it is. That, but no, and that was gonna be a thing that really touched the city, and because a guy that you know we all love, Big James, but he's not a Memphis guy, and he didn't contribute to the program. Again, the thing that Penny did to get James Wiseman to Memphis is the same thing that Coach Trzeciak and Coach Beheim and Coach Ward Williams were all doing to consistently get guys. So why, again, and it's, Again, it hurts my feelings, but why single out my program and that kid? All I'm going to say is look at how Penny Hardaway looks and so look at some of the other coaches' looks, and that may be your answer.
2: I'll switch it over to football as, as a, the way the NCAA works. There was a an offensive lineman who was transferring to Virginia Tech. Part of the reason that he was transferring was because he wanted to be closer to his grandmother who was having – serious health issues. And I believe she had that brain surgery or something like that. Like it was real serious stuff. The NCAA had some arbitrary rule that said, if the campus that you're moving to isn't within a hundred miles closer to your home, than the previous campus you were at, you aren't granted immediate eligibility. This was pre portal, but pre uh, immediate eligibility through the portal stuff. Um, You aren't granted immediate eligibility because of a medical hardship. It, he was like 107 miles instead of 100, and the NCAA said, "Nope, we're denying you." Even though you're trying to be closer to your grandmother, who had brain surgery and is in serious jeopardy and recovering and all of that. Meanwhile, at the same time, um, you had a situation where Justin Fields goes from Georgia to Ohio State. When he goes to Ohio State, he left Georgia publicly stated. Because he knew he wasn't going to play and he wanted to play. So he transferred to Ohio State. NCAA grants him his waiver to play immediately, even though he was leaving for playing time, which is not supposed to get you the waiver. Then Tate Martell leaves Ohio State to go to Miami because Justin Fields came to Ohio State and he knew he wasn't going to play over fields. He stated publicly, I'm leaving because Justin Fields is here and I want to play. He's granted immediate eligibility at Miami despite the fact that you're not supposed to be granted immediate eligibility under the previous rules because you left for playing time. And, but it's Miami and Ohio state. It wasn't Virginia tech. So that's this, this is the type of stuff that the NCAA does. Well, side note rants, but all true.
1: Yeah. No, why not? Why not go for it? Um, Listen, I love those side note rants. Uh, I just don't know as much uh, about, into the NCAA in depth as, as the both of you guys do. So I would just you guys... say they suck and you're good,
0: man. good organization, just throw a dart. You're more than likely. They're, they're They as will well. have committed this sin you. You have accused them.
1: That's right. <laughs> well, you have two NCAA organizations going up against each other uh, on Saturday at five o'clock Wagner and Syracuse. Hopefully you're all going to attend. If you do give a wave to any of us, if you see us at the game, uh because, Josh, will you be there as well?
0: Yeah, you put me on the spot, man. He my oh, you, dog. You, yes, I will be there. I will not be at work. Don't expect no live tweeting. I mean, I might throw a little tweet out there, because yeah, based on the, the ticket prices, it don't seem like it'll be that hard to get a good connection or get a good view of the game. But, uh yeah, I'll be there, potentially. I'll yeah. be
2: in Section 309 um with my wife and my son so if anyone sees me feel free to come over and say hello man <laughs>
0: i'm in there so that's that he talking to me he, he's talking to me y'all not the rest of y'all he's talking to me <laughs> i'll
2: be there
1: i will also be there so if you see us give us a wave uh also comment uh if you've made it this far thank you um it and uh comment what what you think the final score is going to be to the game uh underneath this podcast post all right that's episode 48 of Believe in Syracuse on the preview pod. We will talk to you guys on Monday after Syracuse goes ahead and beats Wagner. See you guys later.